Welcome to the Omnitalk Spotlight series, where we highlight the people, the technologies, and the companies that are shaping the future of retail. I'm your host, Anne Mazinga, and today I'm joined by CEO and founder of NetElixir, Udane Bose. Hi. Udane, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you today. Now, you and I met at Shop Talk a while ago, and we've been connected and following NetElixir uh, ever since we spoke. But let's start for the audience giving a little bit of background on who you are. Uh, I founded the company uh, a little over 17 years back. So we started off as a search marketing agency. And, and then since then, we have become more of a uh, more of a full service digital marketing agency. Uh, we very exclusively focus on the, the retail and the direct to consumer e-commerce businesses. And we manage their their. Uh, their campaigns, the digital marketing programs end to end, starting from developing a strategy, working very closely with them, uh, running the different channels, essentially, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, or any other paid social, paid search, uh, SEO, Amazon marketing, programmatic, etc. And then we do a tremendous amount of analytics as well, and just try to provide all the insights in terms of their consumers, uh, their overall business lines, the products, etc., etc. In fact, we are we are known or infamous in the industry for being fanatically analytical. I love that fanatically analytical. How, did you was that someone named you? That was like a review that you got, or that was uh, that was like the campaign for Netelixer. Actually, in twenty twelve, uh, we uh, we decided to do a bit of a poll of our customers and ask them as to how would you define Netelixer. And interestingly, many of them came up with these two words: fanatically analytical. <laughs> fanatical because primarily because we had this uh, I don't know some sort of a uh, uh, some sort of an image of being that crazy professor who is very intense in terms of really gets passionate about the digital marketing part and analytical we are we are everything is math for us so yeah <laughs> well let's dig into that a little bit so you gave us a little bit of a background on that elixir but like. How are people starting to work with you? How do they come in contact with you? Because I know I see NetElixir. I mean, you guys put out content, everything on like how to work with influencers to, you know, how to start to market directly to brands Mm -hmm. or sorry, to customers um, as a direct to consumer brand specifically. How are you engaging with with customers? Tell me a little bit about like that process and who you work with. We are very focused as a company on the research component some of okay. the areas that we are we are very passionate about. The first one is consumer research, and uh, the consumer behavior we have seen. I mean, in the last seventeen years, understandably, has gone through a massive transformation. We are also very passionate about as to what really makes retail work, what really makes direct to consumer businesses work, mm-hmm. and put out a lot of a uh, lot of thought leadership uh, uh, items. Uh, there are a lot of surveys, primary surveys, secondary surveys that we do, a lot of research. Uh, we have our own customer intelligence platform whereby we are able to understand how how exactly is the consumer behavior really evolving over time as well. So it's a wide range of research, which uh, we sort of tend to share pretty openly from our website, netlexer.com, or on LinkedIn, on Instagram, Facebook, and so on and so forth. And a lot of people really read that research and get back to us with questions. I mean, can we really... Can, can you really tell us as to how exactly does it really apply to your to our business? 
what are some of those things right now that, I mean, we know things are changing so quickly. Um, we'll likely have to bring in the cookie conversation into this. Um, but when you're, when you're sitting next to and consulting with some of the clients that you work with, what, what are those major challenges that they're faced with right now? Uh, so, I mean, we, we work with a little over 120 customers and most of these are mid-sized businesses. So companies who do anywhere between $10 million e-commerce revenue all the way to, I mean, we are the global agency for Lenovo worldwide. So right. a large company, I mean, but on our average, our customer size is anywhere between 50 to $100 million e-commerce revenue. And w- what is really happening, Anne, is uh, uh, all these companies, the, the, the first and the biggest struggle which I see the companies facing is really keeping pace with change. You have to run your business on the ground, which is constantly moving and shifting. The only thing is the pandemic has really made that ground shift probably at 10 times the pace <laughs> compared to pre-pandemic. It's almost like, like a carnival like a, ride at this point. Where, yeah. <laughs> See, it's almost like think of you are really earlier we're having to walk on the treadmill, maybe about four or five miles an hour. Now you really cannot slow down anything less than 10 miles an hour. You probably have to fall. Right? So 10 miles right. an hour running on the treadmill, effectively you are trying to reinvent your business you are able to really just try to understand as to what are the changes going on in the environment. And at the same time, you are competing with arguably the most difficult competitors in the world in any category like Amazon. Right. Right. It is not easy. I, I, I really see that uh, companies are struggling to keep up with the change. The second part, which also to compound, I think, the struggles of this pandemic shift, I, I think there is, there is a genuine concern now as to what would happen in the cookie-less world. I mean, right. recently, as you know, that uh, in the iOS 14.5, the, the app tracking became a bit of an issue, right? So people had to give their consent before any of the apps were able to track your individual detail. And there is a very clear possibility that maybe in the Q1 of 2022, Chrome may deprecate also the, the, the third-party cookies and everything is good. So effectively, if you just think from a VP of e-commerce or maybe a, a small business a CEO, a CEO or maybe you were a chief marketing officer, Uh, it's a difficult job because they really have to run their business, operate, they have to be a strong operator. At the same time, they really have to be able to have a vision as to what is going to really happen in the future, right? They have to really be on top of trends because things are moving at a very rapid pace. Let's talk a little bit about specifically how that's changing. I mean, Mm -hmm. now now that the customer has to opt in to getting served up ads or content what does that mean for you know like you said the ceo of a direct consumer brand or for a a vp of e-com like what's happening here to their day-to-day that you are able to help with or that net elixir is kind of helping um team up with them to solve the the verdict is not clear yet for example the apple changes if you remember and it has almost been a month now the 26th (laughs) april uh, or last month, roughly this time, we we really sort of saw Apple sort of start putting that uh, that app, those app tracking measurements. I mean, I, I think there are just a lot of lot of overall research there and so on and so forth. A lot of companies are saying that most of the people are not really opting in to okay. get tracked. But at the same time, I mean, a very small percentage of the people have really sort of still accepted that new thing. So it's it's still very unclear, but. Some of the things that we feel that uh, once the third-party cookie, I mean, very clearly that the move is not going to get back. So essentially, the third-party cookies will deprecate. So what would happen is, if you look from a marketer's perspective, that is a CMO's perspective, Mm -hmm. I think one of the key components was I have maybe $100. 
where should I invest these hundred dollars to maximize the number of new customers who are coming on to my website, and uh, uh, the and how can we really sort of amplify my overall brand awareness for, with the budget that I have? So I had really all these different channels and dispositions. I knew that uh, I'll put thirty dollars on Google, maybe fifteen dollars on Facebook, five dollars on probably Microsoft, and so on and so forth, and I was able to create a marketing mix which served my purpose. Now with the third party cookie getting deprecated, that cross-channel tracking will become a lot more difficult. So I think as a result of which attributing an end sale or a conversion or a purchase effectively, two specific channels will become a lot more difficult essentially in this world because I mean any channel for the, the specific company will be a third party. So that's I think the first struggle that we are looking at in terms right. of attribution. The second part is also the question of measurement as well. Uh, every company, I mean, that I sort of know of because we work in e-commerce exclusively, and I mentioned retail and direct to consumer, they literally live and die by return on investment. Now, right. in this case, the return on investment in most cases, uh, despite despite not being the, the, the best measure, a uh, lot of companies have been depending on the, the last click conversions, right? The last click prior to making a purchase. But that concept effectively was slowly moving towards an attribution effect that because I mean, why shouldn't you give some credit to the first click and so on? But right. now in this world, I think again the focus is back on the last click, which would really to an extent hinder or probably inhibit marketers making very uh, data-driven decisions as to how exactly should I build up my funnel? Because no one really sort of clicks on an ad and buys immediately, right? I mean, they probably go through a maybe click on a Facebook ad, come to the website, right. don't buy something, maybe come back to Google and buy something. So there is an attribution component as well as the addressability component which gets pressured as well. So all of this is a struggle, but on the positive side, not that everything yes. is doom and doom. <laughs> the positive side, I think, is uh, the since the, the companies would be depending on the first party cookies, which is their own cookies, right. I think the quality of data that they are able to get is a lot more rich, primarily because they are they are really asking their consumers for permission to really sort of get their data, right? So it's almost sure. like, permission marketing finally finally sort of becoming a lot more important. And at the same time, they are able to really focus rather than of creating interruptive marketing where you're just throwing out the ads and hoping something really sticks. Mm -hmm. You're focusing on understanding the consumer behavior and really able to engage and talk with them or have a, have a conversation with the consumer a lot more responsibly as well. I think the quality of engagement will definitely improve quite substantially as well. I mean, we had recently conducted a survey and where we asked Mostly our customers and uh, 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 some more, really about another about 100 more outside of our business who are still not working with us. And these are again companies between $10 million to $200 million e commerce revenues. And we asked a simple question How many of you are doing anything to at all at this point in time to really be ready or prepared for the, the cookie less world? Right. And the, the, the response that we will get, we, we really received from the consumers or the clients was, was quite shocking because 80% what was it? not even started thinking about it. No. So 80%, I think, is a long, is a huge number specifically. And those, and, and many of them who had started thinking about it, they started only in the last one month since the, the IDFA and the Apple cookie tracking. How so is that possible? I mean, isn't this, I mean, this is a huge impact to how they've been doing yeah. things for so long. It, so what, what, a, what do you think is behind that? Is. I think what is happening is just because uh, this has really come on top of a very fast moving environment, right? So they were already running at 10 miles an hour 
and this really is compelling them to run sure. about 15 miles an hour right right so i mean which is which is really sort of insane for a strong so many of them didn't really even get a chance to think beyond they were still sort of struggling with the pandemic effect and change in consumer behavior so that's the that's the struggle because at this point in time if i mean despite you may be uh, the company which has the best technology resources to your disposal if you still start building your first party data system it will take you a good 2 years if you start today right mm-hmm. so understandably you really have to collaborate with platforms who really can be an extension of your team an extension of your own e-commerce platform as such so that's the best option that you have just because i mean we have less than about 8 or 9 months uh for the wow. for the third party cooking because you don't really have those two and a half years at netflix sir we are trying to get into educating them because most of the people are so focused in terms of day to day they lose sight right. of this, what may happen so i think educating them as to what can happen i think is a big part the second part is we really have to distill it down into very finite very concrete measures give them very specific examples pertaining to the business as to what would the impact be because normally i mean if you look at any ceo cmo vp uh they understand when you are really able to quantify that impact in terms of some dollar terms so we are trying to quantify that impact as well and then we have our own customer intelligence platform which we really implemented on a personalized basis we call it almost like a second party sort of a, a data driven platform as such and you can essentially use that uh, uh to really sort of help bridge this gap until you really build your own first party data system as well and udain what does that look like from a onboarding process. I mean, so it sounds like, you know, first step is just education and, you know, yeah. getting them access to the customer intelligence platform. But then, I mean, it sounds like they really like are are like step in step with you to mm-hmm. help kind of like you said bridge the gap or get to the next to the next phase because they've been living in the day to day like mm-hmm. explain how you are starting to work with customers or what the onboarding process looks like. um to really start to get them set up um to collect their own first party data in many cases the as i mentioned the struggle is the people do not really realize they can't really see as to what would happen and right. i mean that's a, that's a fact of life right until it sort of happens to you you don't really realize as what would happen so it's a it's, it's it's a difficult proposition so there is a lot of education that we get into a lot of very specific tangible cases that we really provide them and then what we do is we use a a framework called the the ghost template which okay. is like you start with just goals and objectives what exactly do you really want to do in terms of your e-commerce growth goals and objectives maybe in 12 months 24 months and 36 months and then we ask them a simple question what are the different strategies that you would really want to implement so as to be able to, be able to achieve these goals right so you have mm-hmm. a certain goal in mind i mean understand you have to have a strategy the strategy can be i want to really grab market share from this particular competition i want to launch probably a set of new products which would be focusing on this particular customer segment maybe getting into a new market launch etc cetera, etc cetera. so strategy is something which is a little more generic then for each one of them what are the different tactical levels when we get to the tactical levels i think it's important for us to explain that uh, these facebook numbers that you may be seeing now may get really impacted because of this thing but if you don't really sort of implement this let us say the customer intelligence platform uh this may be the impact and if you really implement your own first party data solution or maybe a second party data solution like what we provide the alexa insights this would be the impact so they are able to see very specifically 
And most importantly, since they are seeing all of this in a framework, which is directly linked to their goals. So you have the goals and objectives, you have the strategic initiatives, and then you have the tactics, and they are able to link it back and see as to how does it really impact the goal. If I do not really implement or have a first party data solution or work with something like Alexa Insights, so that we are able to connect these things. It's not just data on, okay, here's how you can target your customers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys are really, you go pretty deep into other things I mentioned earlier, like how to work with influencers or how that fits into this overall strategy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a pretty wide breadth of of data and information that you're collecting, that you're providing. What other things outside of, you know, this particular, um, like the cookie example, like what other things are you put are you providing as part of that recommendation not as much is getting done once we are able to acquire that customer. So people are not really focusing as much on, I have acquired this new shopper. How can I strengthen my engagement? So can we really right. define as to how can I really strengthen my engagement with these 3% of the people who are converting out of the people, right? Because if I am able to get these 3% who may be purchasing, let us say, maybe twice at this point in time in 12 months to buy maybe one more time, I suddenly have been able to increase my output by about 50%. Right. So two becomes now three. Is it possible for us to use machine learning and see if based on the different variables that we were aggregating in this customer intelligence platform, can we really predict which of these first time shoppers are likely to purchase the second time, purchase the third time and so on. We are able to add with about 65% accuracy within the first 30 days itself, predict which one of your first-time shoppers is likely to purchase again and when? And that's a really powerful thing. And that, since it is driven by machine learning, it keeps on improving. We have gotten as much to about 82% is what the, the highest we have got. But I mean, 82% is a pretty strong uh, prediction model that we have to be able to beat. So that's the first part. The second part is we are also trying to use that model now to also establish what is a predicted lifetime value or what mm. should be the lifetime value if you really sort of do the marketing pieces or the retention marketing pieces, as it's called, right? So as a result of it, we said that this is the prediction that we are making. And uh, what we are doing, all of this information is provided in an, or aggregated in our tool uh, in an anonymized manner. I mean, we, of course, are GDPR certified, et cetera, et cetera. So all this anonymized data, then we go to our customer since it is an individualized or customized implementation. And we just sort of say that if you want to grant us permission so that we are able to match it back to the email addresses and the customer name, because that's in your CRM. In many cases, the customer says that, no, we'll not be able to sort of provide that access, that's fine. But in many cases, they are able to provide that linkage as such. So we are able to get their name and the email addresses. And then we have built a dashboard through which we provide our client multiple options to, again, target these, these likelihood of sort of purchasing second time type of shoppers through either uh, something like, uh, let us say, Google retargeting or Facebook remarketing, or there is a there is a, an integration with a tool called Redi, which really helps us in more of a referral marketing program and so on. And as a result of which, they are able to very clearly make an impact on expanding the lifetime value of these shoppers as such. So that, I think, has been tremendously powerful. For example... Oh. When you are winning in just through by really sort of turning on those fire hoses, which is essentially uh, the, the the Googles and the Facebook, let us say if your, the normal lifetime value of the customer was, let us say, $150. Mm-hmm. 
we have seen that the impact can be anywhere between 150 goes to 200 to 225 dollars a month so we are That's able to get these customers sort of get more engaged with your business and really pay more with you. I really want to call our listeners' attention to that because I think, especially when you think about D2C and this this very, very high customer acquisition cost, mm-hmm. like you said, usually based on just kind of spraying, spraying ads and, and trying to get as much uh, outreach as you can, as cheaply as you can. And now I think what you've pointed out here is something that I think you know, some D2C companies were looking at going to stores for this, which is also mm-hmm. very expensive. You know, mm-hmm. they thought customer acquisition online is so high. What happens if I, you know, create a bricks and mortar kind of footprint? Mm-hmm. Will that help help mm-hmm. with that those costs? But I think what you said is even more important, especially, you know, as we look at trends in retail overall, this is not just something that, you know, D2C brands are facing, but it's really all retailers and brands in general. Like how mm-hmm. are you, what's the post-purchase connection yeah. point and engagement with your customer because that is almost more important at this point in time yeah. um, than it is, you know, them finding you. How what their lifelong experiences with the brand is is so critical. Um, I wonder if there's anything else that you see, especially with the D2C brands that are mm-hmm. listening. Um, is there anything else like this that's that's a pretty major shift that they should be aware of um, that they maybe aren't, or something that they should be they should be putting into that that strategy or that goal session with you that they they haven't thought about? We are seeing more and more for the direct to consumer part. They have an opportunity to build the brand relationship, so the performance should be classified as a summation of brand relationship that you are able to grow or build. And the second part, obviously, is the performance, the return on investment part. In many cases, the companies really, really sort of need to focus a lot more on the brand relationship part. Because if you really look at uh, a D2C company versus maybe a retail company, right? Mm -hmm. The retailer has the advantage of providing multiple brand choices. While the D2C company has to really focus on building that brand relationship so the customer doesn't really go on to another D2C site it it may be competing with. And that's where it's extremely important for these companies or any DTC company to really build out very strongly and communicate very strongly their own brand story. Mm-hmm. What makes you different, right? What exactly is your brand purpose? What, what exactly is the brand story that you're really communicating to your customers? Are you really sort of uh, trying your best to build an inclusive community of your consumers who really keep on engaging with you? Are your consumers really becoming your brand, not just brand evangelists, but almost like going ahead and actively really almost like a, 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 a maybe the voice of your brand to an extent. So right. those are the areas I think there is there is a lot of DTC companies who are working in this part. But I think that is one area that we would definitely, definitely sort of recommend. And as a result of which, and what has happened is it becomes very important to look at marketing, not just as purely performance marketing or the return on investment, but look at this as a full funnel marketing. Right. How exactly are you, let us say, responsibly engaging your consumer at each stage in her shopping journey? Right. That's the first click. What, what exactly is the communication that you have? So you really need to be able to be just sort of map out the entire consumer journey and really identify those different core consumer segments and really have a have a method in which you are able to engage in a conversation in a very responsible manner with them. How is your work? 
changed with these brands as discovery is happening in, in different places. I mean, mm-hmm. we're seeing, you know, the entire checkout process now, especially yeah. with D2C brands happening yeah. in, in, in all on platform and Instagram or in WeChat. Right. Like how, how are you helping these brands rethink kind of that strategy? One of the advantages we have as an agency, digital agency, and that we have the luxury of seeing as to working with multiple clients and seeing what is the best out there, right? So the best practices part, and there is very clearly a cross-pollination of best practices that we are able to do engaging with the different brands. Now, if you really look at as to what we do is we we conduct this, what is called the idea forum, where we regularly sort of jump into conversations with the product managers of the DTC companies. And this is the thing that are the best practices in the industry. Right. We see some of the consumers doing uh, or some of the some of our clients doing essentially. So that's, I think, one part, purely constantly education and sharing the ideas and so on. The second part is we try to still make as much as much focus in terms of having a conversation with the client and get them to figure out. When you talk about figure out and conversation with the client, uh, the first question we ask is, if you have physical retail stores, uh, how exactly are consumers really interacting or engaging with your brand in the physical retail stores? Because what really the pandemic did was it really bridged the gap between physical and digital, right? So there mm-hmm. is... I, I think it's probably, in my opinion, soon we'll be getting to a position where we will not any longer be talking about physical and digital. We'll be talking about just the overall integrated brand experience. That the Absolutely. So thinking from that perspective, it sort of gets into a lot of storyboarding ideas. And the last part is we keep on focusing a lot in terms of what is your brand purpose and really telling an authentic story. Because I think uh, with, with all of this move towards the first party and understandably a big focus on the brand purpose part, it's extremely important for brands to communicate their story in an authentic manner. You really have to have these unique differentiators. Part of that is your brand voice and values, but how do you create the right marketing strategy to to really convey those things and to bring in the right customers and when your customers seeing so much every day now um, and those rules are changing with things like you know the the ios updates and and potentially the android updates coming too that that whole practice like you said it's gonna it's still a treadmill you're gonna be on there but you need to have the right coaches uh to help create the strategy that makes the most sense for your brand you really have to be very very cognizant of the channel conflicts as well mm-hmm. because if you are let's say selling through amazon or walmart and so on they may not be very happy that you suddenly have launched your own e-commerce site and sort of maybe right. so I think there are certain policies like a lot of companies have their imap policies etc cetera, etc cetera. you really have to be cognizant of managing those channel relationships in a very sensitive manner as well we've talked so much on omnitalk about you know how to prepare for this this omnichannel this mix of digital and physical for the next you know the future of retail from um you know a core foundation perspective of getting your your product order and order management systems set up and in place but i think that this this is for a lot of companies an afterthought of like now how am i going to go now that i've got this foundation mm-hmm. built i can support customers in mm-hmm. store online we've got this system set up now, how do I go out and, and tell my customers that story? And how do I continue to learn and engage with my customers in a different way? Um, and I think that's that's the message that I think is really important to get out to our listeners today is that um, your team and NetElixir are, are really able to help brands 
uh, and retailers is they're kind of coming into this new this new world of how to how to stay engaged with those customers um, and how to tell your your differentiated brand story. Um, if people want to learn more, I know you guys have an event coming up, and I'd love for you to share with the audience just a few details about that and how they can get signed up so that they can continue this conversation with your team. Our second annual Connecting the Dots conference on the 10th of June. Uh, it's between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. Professor Jerry Wind from Wharton is our keynote speaker. And he'll be actually doing a workshop and teaching people as to how to really look at and rethink this entire world of innovation in these times. Really excited about it. It's called Connecting the Dots. And anyone who is interested can go to our website, netflix.com, and you can really sign up for Connecting the Dots right there. And uh, I can promise it'll be a it'll be a tremendous, tremendous combination of the, a lot of academic and uh, first-rate thinking in terms of out of the box. And at the same time, we'll have the practitioners connecting all of these pieces or connecting the dots to really make make it make it practical for you. Well, and a fantastic way, I think, for for brands to kind of reset and stop and you like get right. this information, hear, listen to these professors and be able mm-hmm. to say, okay, now how do we want to tackle this? What's the next next best move for us here as we get into the last few months of 2021? Well, Udain, thank you so much for being on the show today. If people want to get in touch with you, how should they do that? Well, I am very open and very active on LinkedIn. So just sort of type in Udain and I would love to love to get in touch with you. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much. That's been Udain Bose, the CEO and founder of Netelixer. 